This is the Unnamed Financial Podcast, a crash course in financial literacy. If you feel left out of the markets, join me, Matt Gregory, and stock market expert Peter Raschuti from Tulane University as we navigate the basics of Wall Street. If you look at who's been sent to jail, and it really is a nice group, is um, it's uh, uh, groups of golfers have been sent to jail, a corporate attorney and his wife. Uh, there's all kinds of folks that uh, they 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 break what is uh, called basically a, a trust of knowledge. On this week's episode, what is insider trading, both illegal and the legal versions of it? And when the Oracle of Omaha speaks, the markets listen. What did Warren Buffett have to say about the state of Wall Street? And we're back again, this time talking about insider trading, because I've been waiting all week to hear about the differences between, as you so eloquently put it, getting a little inside info, some tips you can follow, and spending your time getting kicked or getting picked for the kickball team at the prison. So, Peter, what is insider trading? Well, we first have to divide it into two sections. There's one that's illegal and one that's legal. Um, the, the illegal part is the one that comes to mind the most, and that is you're trading securities uh, based on information that is non-public. It's not, it's not out there, and you can uh, take advantage of that. And the way we usually see that is uh, we will see a, something they call the C-suite, which is the CEO, the COO, the CFO, the uh, whatever C's are, else are up there, and directors, and anybody owns 10% of the stock or more. Um, it's what they do with their stock. And if they have to do it, they cannot trade when they know something that the rest of us don't know. And it gets a little bit murky in there. Um, you know, if you sit on the board of a company, for instance, you can't, um, or you're working for a company, you can't uh, buy or sell a stock besides what they call a little, this four little windows during the year. And that's usually a couple of days after the earnings have been announced where they open the window for a few days and let you buy and sell stock. But sometimes that isn't even there. Those eight days, for instance, aren't even there because just being there, um, you, you should know something more than the general public. We was, used to laugh about that. It was like, geez, if we're awake, we should know more things. You know, I mean, information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's very tough to get in and out. I mean, I've seen people for years trying to get in and out of their stock. If when you do sell, you have to file what's called a Form 4, and it goes to the SEC, and within minutes, it is listed on the internet that you just sold shares. And, um, and it's a big day. And of course, it's broader than I'm talking about here. Insiders could also be any employees. Um, they could be uh, people. If you look at who's been sent to jail, and it really is a nice group, is, um, it's uh, uh, groups of golfers have been sent to jail, a corporate attorney and his wife, uh, there's all kinds of folks that uh, they, they, they break what is uh, called basically a, a trust of knowledge, which is uh, th- that person shouldn't have told you and you or, or even let's say your roommate's a computer screen was up, you know, you could see something you shouldn't see there. But there was this implication that, you know, you had a special bond and wouldn't wouldn't look at it. Then there's stuff, uh, Matt, that's really over the edge. You just don't know, like you're in an elevator with the two guys and they're talking about this big new product going on. And as he, you leave the elevator, you think, wow, they're getting off on floor 21, that's Procter and Gamble. And, uh, and so I'll buy stock in Procter and Gamble. Those are the more murky ones that, one of the things people say is if you, you do hear that, uh, do, talk to your attorney before you would uh, 
trade on anything like that. But um, but all employees, you know, it's like if you work for a tech firm, uh, you you know when there's breakthroughs uh, that are gonna gonna occur, and it's very tempting uh, because the stock we're talking about is a stock that is gonna go up appreciably, maybe in a short period. Too too Matt, like um, good example would best example would be a buyout that you were gonna buy out another company and or that you were gonna be bought out, and on average those buyouts are between uh, they're usually about between thirty and forty percent premium. So if you had a stock at twenty. Uh, somebody would come in and immediately offer you $26 or $28 a share, somewhere in that range. And you could make, that's a huge profit overnight. I was going to ask you, um, if you remembered, I think it was 2020 saw one of them, but there was a few um, insider trading deals that involved congressmen, or at least scandals. And I, I remember being a little murky. One was a congressman, I think, in New York. Uh, the one I can know off the top of my head that's still under investigation, I think, is Senator Richard Burr out of North Carolina. Carolina, Yeah. Do you remember anything about those particular cases? Oh yeah, it was. They were all a little bit different from one another. the The Burr one was kind of interesting because he had been briefed, uh, along with the president and everyone else, that this is this COVID thing was really bad, and he apparently sold all his shares and then bought some healthcare companies. Which, so he knew something that nobody else was supposed to know. And of course, one of the things I think about there is, you know, obviously Trump knew that too, and then you know. Two months later, is still calling it a hoax that Democrats have, and liberals created and all this stuff. So there's two interesting things. One, take advantage of it financially. And the other is um, uh, pretend it didn't happen, which would be the <laughs> Trump side. And I don't remember that meeting. So yeah, that was very, but on the other hand, um, you had people like Diane Feinstein's uh, husband that did some training that when they traced it back, it really wasn't timed at all to that um, to, to those meetings, those briefings. So, um, yeah, you see it all the um, you see it all the time, and uh, it's kind of funny in class. The, the students are, usually, when we talk about insider trading, they'll ask if I ever traded on insider information when I was in the business, and I tell them I did not, and I did not. Uh, the only insider uh, information I used to trade on was it was a great department store called Filene's Basement, and uh, I loved it's gone now, and I I get teary eyed just thinking about it, and it's um, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was an institution and they would take clothes that didn't sell from all over the country and put it in there and it'd be 70, 80% off. And um, I would, there was a couple of, it was one guy that, uh, in the firm that had a brother-in-law that worked there. And he would tell you like on Monday that all the Brooks Brothers men's suits were coming in Tuesday morning and we wouldn't go to work for the opening. We'd just be there at the door and just uh, get, now, there's nobody going to jail for that particular crime, but that was my big example of insider trading. One of the things that always confused me is I never met a Filene. Who is Filene? Is that a name? Yeah, that's, that was the original story, you know, and, uh, but nowhere near as exciting as the, the basement. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I know this is exactly what you want to talk about, but as a um, young man, about seven years old or so, it, it, it is in my head that, that it was so crazy that you'd see people taking their clothes off in the uh, in the alleyway, in not the alleyways, the the store floor front, and um, and my mother used to take me there, and I'd like hide under the um, you know the the clothes or whatever. But you know, it was really I think the first time I saw a naked woman. <laughs> so I uh, just want to. I mean, I've had thirty years of therapy, so this is you know it's clearing up now. But it's uh, where were we? Insiders, they insider trading. I was going to ask you along the lines of insider trading, um, you know, the legal aspect, not you know, the murkiness, the gray area, but the place where people can see what insiders are doing and how that could be helpful to their investment. 
How do you find that and what do you do once you found it? That's, that's fascinating. And that's really the bigger story that nobody, uh, nobody ever talks about. And that is, what are the insiders doing? And the way they're defining insiders here is the C-suite again, um, and then the directors, and then anybody that owns more than 10% of the stock. So um, that's kind of where, where it ends for this definition. And um, you can find that anywhere. If you type in uh, the ticker symbol of your, the stock, and then you uh, in, onto, onto Google, and then, um, and then just say insider trading, it'll come up because it's all public information. And you'll see this, you just gotta be able to define it a little bit. And that is, uh, you'll see things that look, you'll see acquisition for instance, and, and words like that. And those are often not exactly buy orders. That might be compensation. You know, they gave them thousand shares and annually and that's part of it. What you wanna see is the ones that actually say buy. And it's so, it's such a great tip because if they're buying the stock, think of a couple of things. One is now, directors, C-suite folks, they, the big part of their compensation is stock. I mean, I know people, you know, they'll see somebody say, He's, he, got, he made $30 million last year. And you think, that's ridiculous. He's the most overpaid. And that's 20 years of stock they've been giving him that he finally sold. But that's how people make their money. You can't you know, pay a salary like that. The shareholders would, would assassinate you. That's not done. Um, done. So uh, what, are they, what are they doing? What are they doing? Think about it. When they buy stock, they have only one reason to buy stock. They think that stock's going up in price. That's the only, only reason. Um, if, they, um, if they go to sell a stock, insider selling, it's not nearly as important because you could be selling stock for, um, and this is true, you work for a company and they keep giving you stock as your compensation. Before you know it, you go to a financial planner and he's like, uh, I don't think 98% uh, of your total wealth in a single stock is, uh, you know, according to my training is not what you're supposed to be doing. So they force you to sell stuff. And, um, and then you get, you might need cash for tuition or you're buying a boat or something like that. There's, there's just all kinds of reasons to sell, but there's only one reason to buy. And I've never seen an insider buy stock and a few months later, the company goes into bankruptcy. It's just, it's not in the cards. And um, in fact, all the studies show, and I know you're gonna, you know, you're not going to believe me, but insiders do better, better than um, regular people trading the stock. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> that. Stop the presses. It's up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and of course, this is another example of, um, and this, when I think of this, I keep thinking of uh, um, that you, it gets a little, if you go back to the original insider trade, oh, let me do one more. In terms of the legal insider, another great place to go is if you just type in um, insider purchases, and you end up going to a website called Open Insider, and that is much more general. It actually goes through every single insider trade that's occurred that day and the previous day and the day before that. And I use it as a way to kind of get ideas. I mean, if I see three or four members of, a, of the board buying significant shares of stock, I think, you know, that's worth taking the next step and looking into it. And uh, so that's uh, the way we, we go. And uh, the interesting thing on the illegal insider trading, Matt, is, uh, is there's sometimes where people will say, uh, the law will say that both the tipper, which is not like tipper gore, it's a the tipper, yeah. the person that gave the tip, and the, the tippee, which um, the person that benefited, are both liable. Uh, and there's some great stories too, just people trying to figure stuff out. 
best one was about a year ago. Occidental Petroleum was in big problem. Uh, oil prices were dropping. Um, they had way too much debt. They bought uh, Anadarko Petroleum. It was unbelievable. Well, at the airport um, yeah, for uh, in Houston, somebody spotted a plane with the same tail numbers as Warren Buffett. And that was it. And it was his plane and he came in and he, uh, he bailed them out sort of by buying a lot of preferred stock and such. So people really want this information. They really do. I'll tell you nothing, Matt, you're gonna think I'm making this up. A number of investment firms have now, uh, they do not allow their employees, you know, when you have your luggage tag and it has your, it's your business card, they, they forbid that because people are just sitting around looking. I, in fact, I do that actually, now that I think about that. There's, um, the, uh, I'm thinking you're so, going into Schenectady. Jesus, there's only three publicly traded companies in Schenectady, you know? So, so it, with, with the, the, the Occidental oil issue, did someone get in trouble for spotting the tail or did the company or what no, happened? That's just considered smarts. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, uh, but I mean, people want this information so bad. And I mentioned buyouts because that's so quick, but uh, a new product, a uh, somebody hitting oil, uh, another one would be FDA approval for a drug. There's a bunch of things that would make a stock pop very, very, very quickly. And that's what they're, uh, that's what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I, because, I, you know, I sat there and um, while looking through my own, I, I, what I used to do, and I guess I need to add this, is I would just go through... Stocks I was interested in, fields I think were going to go up, whether it was health care, which, by the way, if you know anything about the Affordable Care Act, everything in the Affordable Care Act went up significantly, right? Your, your, your pharmaceuticals, your health um, uh, insurance companies, I think United Healthcare went up like 500%. But, and I would just go through, look at the stocks, look at where they've been, although where they've been is not always a good reference to where they're going. But I didn't know about this Open Insider and that just adds another thing, I think, to like where you should be looking. Because we're really just like people running in the dark until we get some sort of tip. Oh, yeah. And all the other things you get, uh, the information from the investment firms, is, um, you know, it's just everything you're getting, you're wondering if it's being skewed for, for their gain. You know, you open a ma magazine and you think, that investment money manager, he owns shares of this company. That's why he's, he's touting it. Um, I will tell you one thing, it, uh, I never did this, but there used to be a show, and I love this show. And if anybody's an older, <laughs> older either man, there's a show called Wall Street Week with Louis Rukeyser, and it was done out of Owings Mills, Maryland. So it's okay. right. And it was the only financial show around. It was like in the 70s. And everybody watched the show. It was sort of the way car talk is on NPR, where people that don't even know how to put gas in the car watch, listen to the show because it's so much fun. It mm -hmm. was the same thing. It, my parents, would never have owned stock, but we'd sit there on Friday nights and watch Louis Rukeyser and these nice men would come in in suits and talk about trends and the stocks they like. And, and uh, I remember there was a guy in my office thought of something pretty clever. And that is like, you knew they would say next week we'll have Bob Jones. He's the chemical analyst from Merrill Lynch. And you'd call your friend at Merrill Lynch and go, uh, what does that guy like? And he'd say, oh, he loves Quaker chemical. And so on Friday, on Friday morning, you'd buy shares of Quaker Chemical and hope he mentioned them that night, and then they would pop on Monday. But that was when everybody, it was only, that's before all the craziness started. That was the only financial show out there. Mm -hmm. It was no CNBC, nothing. There, there's a fair amount of people right now who think that Tesla is going to pop this weekend along with Dogecoin. 
because Elon Musk will be on Saturday Night Live. So I have friends who are like, I'm buying Tesla or fractions of Tesla. I, you know, they could be right. What the, I'm hoping that the SNL people just write jokes for him, but we'll have to see how that, that goes. I was also going to uh, say, I was listening to a, a, a show about um, Robin Hood. And they were talking about, obviously, the GameStop phenomenon. And I thought to myself, like, they've accused, you know, people on Reddit of market manipulation, being like almost like insider trading since you all are getting together and you know you're going to buy. And I wondered, you know, logically or ethically, is there any difference between that and watching Jim Cramer talk about what he's interested in? Like, isn't it all sort of manipulation in its own way? You could could put those two together. You definitely could. It's... it's, um... One, but Kramer is sort of just putting out information that so many people follow it, but not, but the Robin Hood had more of a cult following, still does, where, you know, everybody here and, um, you know, don't forget the Kool-Aid, you know, yeah. and uh, it's um, where Kramer's just spouting ideas and, and all that. So, yeah, no, I can definitely see. By the way, um, you know, Buffett had his annual meeting out in uh, uh, Omaha and um, he and Charlie Munger, uh, it's funny because, like, particularly Munger, he's now 97. And, uh, you know, when you're 97, you'll just say what you think. That's mm-hmm. uh, You notice that at Thanksgiving when your grandparents are there and you think, oh, my God. And then it, it's still World War II sometimes on Thanksgiving. It, it, it is. And he was coming out saying Bitcoin is only used by people looking for ransom and drug dealers. And it's, you know, that it's a, it's a shame for this country that we allow Bitcoin to be you know, I don't, I don't know. And then, and they just went on and on, um, you know, and maybe, maybe they're right. Uh, Buffett on the other hand was saying he's having trouble finding things to buy because really? the market's so high. You just oh, can't find right. any bargains. Yeah. So, uh, we'll have to, Interesting. we'll have to see. Yeah. I think everyone is kind of like, um, I have friends who just say, well, Warren Buffett said this. So then they start buying, I guess it's just, it seems to me the world of insider trading or the world of trading, since everyone's looking for something, it's almost like baseball, right? Yeah, It's yeah. like if you knew the guy had potential to tear his ACL ahead of time, is it wrong that you don't share that information with the other teams? And would it be wrong to help him tear his ACL? That yeah. I think would be definitely wrong. Be definitely wrong. Going back to the Catholic Church, which is what we like to circle around, that is a sin. Yeah, that is. No matter what the Jesuits try to tell you, there are things that are sins. Yeah. They really are. Those are those are injury sins. It's a separate category. And, it is. Uh, I think but, it's venial. It's a venial sin, not a mortal, but it's still you know frowned upon. Venial always seen that in limbo. Mm-hmm. You no, know, we're um, that we're not in heaven or hell. Purgatory. Purgatory. Yeah, that was because um, that always seemed to me the most likely place for me. By the way, and um, yes, I got to tell you, there's a money manager in town, and I was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this show has become mostly theology and money, but um, but he was saying when he was 10 years old, he told his uncle uh, that he was no longer going to be a Southern Baptist. He's going to change to be a Methodist. And um, the uncle was a big Southern Baptist. And he says, uh, um, Jonathan, if you do that, you that's your decision, but you will not go to heaven. And he says, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, Uncle Ned, um, if only Southern Baptists go to heaven, I don't want to be there. So I- <laughs> And I, uh, I assume he was cut out of the will. I don't know how that ended, but it was a cute story to tell me. You know, <laughs> I, gotta, I think they all tie in, Peter, because of the money changers. Yeah, absolutely. The Bible's money all about finance. The temple, 
I, you know, I hope this podcast comes up under like hashtag money, hashtag theology. I really, it's, um, it's, it's pretty good. My sons showed me something, you know, they love the onion and all those shows. And it was a great one. <laughs> it was a picture of a guy coming out of GameStop and it says area man sells all of GameStop uh, stock after uh, having been in one. <laughs> I, I was going to say the thing I thought was the funniest was someone sent me a picture of a, um, uh, what do you call it, a, a, um, a youth pastor, which is very popular in, you know, some of the non-denominational communities. And it had the youth pastor with a grin on his face that said, you know who else crashed a market and was a really cool guy? And I giggled. I was like, <laughs> that's exactly what happens. They come in with their skateboards and their chain wallets. And they're like, they want to make Jesus hip. And I get it. But Oh, I know. It's uh, back when we were out, it was just a matter of letting the guitar in. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was, uh, and I was long, old enough to remember the Latin mass, which they, you know, your back would be, back would be towards you. And I mean, no wonder I didn't understand anything. I, I left the Catholic church to join the Protestant church, but not for the right reasons. Um, I was starting to date the minister's daughter. <laughs> and, and frankly, you know, Father Mulcahy did not have that to offer. No, and, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he was, he was out, he was out of aces. And yeah. uh, once again, so, but, but you know, the other thing I was going to mention about insider trading, you remember <laughs> that's what we were talking about, is, um, is that um, anybody that, let, let's say a big event happens, like there's a buyout, the SEC will immediately go through all the most recent trades over the last couple of weeks. And not just big people, you too, you and me. And so mm -hmm. um, they, they see patterns. And if they see you uh, buying stock just before an event or buying uh, something it doesn't look like you like if you and I you routinely buy 100 shares of something and then we come up and we buy 10,000 shares of something and it gets bought out I mean that's just going to jump off the page and these SEC folks are um, I, I'm just trying to influence people not to do this because they're um, they're really smart yeah you know, they, the top of the class goes to the SEC the middle of the class creates podcasts like yes exactly <laughs> I think I was exactly in the middle of my high school class um I was going to say that, you know, with the insider trading, um, it just, it seems to me like these SEC regulators act a lot like a credit card company where they check in on you if you've made too many purchases in places you haven't been. Absolutely. They're looking for an event and there's something that doesn't look like you. There's a certain Matt Gregory trading pattern, which um, you don't even know about, that uh, they, they have, because of many psychology courses, they have been able to figure out <laughs> what's going on in your head. But, um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's never going to end. It's just that it's tightened up so much. And um, uh, the other thing that's happened, though, really a good point that I, I missed before, Matt, is that now that executives are all being paid so much in stock, now, why are they doing that? Well, they're doing it so that management and all these top people are in the same boat as shareholders. They really, then that's their biggest asset. When we look at companies, we love to see management own tons and tons of the stock because I, what I want to see is I want to think that that man has no hobbies. He doesn't play golf or parcheesi or anything. And he, um, he can't really sleep at night because all he can do is think about how to get that stock price up. And that's what I want him to do. I know, it's, you know there's some health issues, but they, uh, that is kind of it. And so what we need to think about is that all these people we're talking about, these insiders, already own too much stock. So mm -hmm. if they make a commitment to buy additional stock, 
I mean, this has got to be a big deal. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're because you know they're they're financial planner, they're back of their brain. Everybody's telling them enough, enough. It's like no, I could still use two thousand more shares. <laughs> that's a good point, and I think that's a good way to wrap up the legal part of insider ah, trading. Right, right. Um, instead of asking you this week, you know, what did you see in the markets? I was wondering if you wanted to talk about what you heard Buffett talking about this week. Ah, well, I uh, heard him talking about a bunch of things. Of course, he and Munger talked about um, Bitcoin and things like that. Munger was a lot uh, meaner about it. And of course, uh, Buffett realized there were some people that, you know, were Bitcoin fans in the uh, in the audience. Um, but he also talked about um, talked about a few things that you and I have talked about. Mainly, I think it's because Buffett listens to our podcast. I think it I, has to know, be going to bring that up. But the other things that worry him in general are all these kind of newfangled investments. Like we talked about SPACs, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that it was a way to bring companies public before they were ready to go public. He thinks that all of these kind of newfangled things are not real investments. And that basically his main thrust was A, the market's not that cheap. Uh, he is buying back shares of Berkshire Hathaway, which is, which is great. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but in Buffett's will, which I have not seen, obviously, yeah. um, uh, basically he wants his heirs to uh, just take the money they get and uh, put it in index funds. It's really funny. It's basically, I mean, he's, he's certainly got the chops to say it, but it's, um, you know, I'm really good at this and you're probably not. So what? <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, listen, if it's good enough for Buffett's family, you out there in the public, it should be good enough for you. Oh, you know, Buffett said something that, and Matt, you're a young man, so you don't have to deal with this yet, but um, everybody tries to figure out how much money to leave their children, you know, because, you know, it's what's the right amount, what's the, you know, do you, if you had excess money, like you don't want the kid to become a spoiled brat, you know, and because everybody hates those people. And, um, and uh, so what he said is, I left my children enough money to do anything, but not enough money to do nothing. Ooh. And it's so profound, but I wish there was a number tied to it. That would have helped. Yes, yeah, so you would know that, what that meant. Is that 100000 sir? Because is it $20 if you could just fill in the blank? But, uh, but he was very upset about the, um, the gamification of the, of the market, you know, that, um, you know, that it's just turned into a, you know, a sport. And that, that would end badly. And, and there's no question in my mind it's going to end badly, too. I, I'm always torn between it's great to have people interested in the market, and learning about their future and how things work. But this is an, a very odd, very unhealthy way to, to learn about it. And there's gonna be some big losses. You know, one, <laughs> Matt, one of the funny things is when you go to a financial advisor, the first thing they do is they give you a piece of paper and they, they're trying to figure out your risk tolerance. And it, first of all, what you need to know is that fear is greater than greed. That's what all the psychologists tell, which is kind of interesting. But you fill out that form and you always lie. You really lie into yourself. But it's like, uh, you know, you write down, I'm a big boy. I could take significant <laughs> losses. In it. And then the stock drops 5%. It's like, I'm on the bridge. You got to come now, Mr. Johnson. You know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's like once I was running, I was uh, walking the, the Crescent City Classic here. It's the largest 10K in the, in the, in the country. And... <laughs> I was signing up and they wanted to know what time you would finish it in. I knew it would be about an hour. And the guy next to me goes, uh, put 45 minutes. I said, well, it's not 45 minutes. He goes, yeah, but everybody cheats. You know, so you want to get back to where you want. I was like, 
same process. <laughs> there was a uh, uh, um, when you join a gym here in a similar vein. Um, there was one I joined when I moved to DC, and it said on a scale of one to ten, you know, uh, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to build? What do you want to do? And I wrote, you know, four maintain. And then they said on a scale of one to ten, how committed are you to this goal? And I put five. And I remember the guy looked at me, he's like, so you don't want to beef up? You don't want to lose weight? What? And I said, I just want to not die. Because I found in the past, when I would go to these things, I would say, bulk up. I'm 100% committed. I never was. No. I did like three of the free sessions, then I wandered off. I bet. Isn't that the great? Can you imagine what their attention rate is on, on health clubs? I guess there's probably a couple of public traded. You know, the great thing, Matt, about me is we questions like this. You and I could go around or hang, hang out with somebody that does it. But if a company's public or an industry's public, you can get that information. You and I yeah. in 20 minutes could say, you know, only 18% of the people come back after the second month. You know, we would, we would uh, know that. And that's sort of like the whole thing of it is insider trading legally, seeing what's happening. It's great having the internet. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, I interviewed Lizanne Saunders a couple of weeks ago, the uh, chief strategist of uh, uh, Charles Schwab. Wonderful, wonderful woman. And at our conference. And um, one of the things that we were talking about there was uh, is that she said, she said how simple retirement planning should be. And I just laughed about this and she's absolutely right. She was saying that all, the, she could teach you what you needed over lunch basically. And Charles Schwab <laughs> said that it did. And it is true. You know, if you were putting money away for retirement you want to take like a hundred minus your age put that percent in stocks and don't buy individual stocks, buy a series of mutual funds, um, you know, that mirror the S&P and the mid cap and the small cap, reinvest the dividends. And then every so often, maybe every six months, maybe every year, rebalance the portfolio. So if stocks went way up, they're too big a piece of the pie now. And you know, that's all it is. It's not very exciting. And it's not you know, it's, it's not, you really, it's tough to meet girls at a party with, uh, you know, I, I rebalance, you know, <laughs> I rebalance my index funds. Yeah, that's right. You want to open up with, I'm short GameStop or something like that, you know, yeah. um, it's, <laughs> I'm the man who crashed the markets. Oh, that is, um, I, that's a bumper sticker, right? That really is. Thank you for that. I, I assume I can to, take it. I don't know. They, you, can, you can have it. Although the only other person who can really claim that is Jesus. So right. he didn't have any. Um, allegedly. Is this the most circuitous conversation ever? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I talked to a cryptocurrency expert last week about um, our podcast, and he agreed to come on next week and talk. So I'm going to try to work out a three-way conversation with us oh, wow. next week on cryptocurrency. And to give you just a taste of what he told me, uh, I said, you know, he, he's an asset manager specifically for crypto. Okay. Um, he used to do ETF. He now does um, crypto trading. And he said, I wouldn't put any more than 5% at most of my investments into cryptocurrency. He said, it's wildly speculatory. He said, obviously, it's becoming a, a growing market of investment. But to put more than 5% is just ludicrous in. Jeez, I don't think, I was kind of hoping that we would tear each other's eyes out. I don't think we're going to. He, he just said he was interested in it from like 2010 on and he's been a part of it. But he said, you know, when you see people dumping money into Bitcoin, one of the things you have to remember, as you know, with stocks, when you trade an expensive stock like Amazon, there's a larger swath of people willing to pay $1,000 for that one stock. 
When you have a $58,000 worth Bitcoin, you have to now find a person who will pay $58,000 for that Bitcoin. Otherwise, you sell it for whatever you can get for it. Absolutely. And, you know, I, want, I was just thinking about uh, something that Buffett talks about. And he talks about how, um, let's see, I guess, let's see, I'm trying to think of the politically correct way to do it, is that when you're buying stock, you don't buy stock in the company you think is, is the best company. You buy stock in the company that you think other people will th end up thinking is a great company. He's, and, he, and he equates it to a dog show. You know, if you were sitting with your friends saying, you know, I think the German Shepherd's going to win this whole thing. It's like, no, people are going to vote for the poodle. So I ought to, I'm putting money on the poodle. And that's really, and it's actually, Buffett stuff is so, it's so deep. It sounds very uh, crazy on the surface, but um, so you and my, you and me off to Westminster. Yeah, it sounds to me like um, there's a reason he has the name the Oracle of Omaha, because yes. he speaks in like <laughs> parables. Yes, yeah, that, <laughs> and I think of you as the seer of our nation's capital. That's Thank you. <laughs> so that's what we'll do next week. We're going to try to get it right and do cryptocurrency. If not, we'll come up with some other policy, but it'll be fun. We'll see what we can learn about crypto and uh, what holes we can poke into crypto policies or what things he can enlighten us on. And I'm going to learn something. Thanks, Matt. Great idea. Sounds good. All right. See you next week, Peter, and hopefully see all of you next week or hear you listening to us next week. Thanks. Goodbye.